Hey, my name is Amika Chabra, and you're listening to Root and Seed, a podcast about tradition seekers who are sparked to explore, define, and celebrate their family and cultural identity. We started the Root and Seed podcast to inspire people to see the beauty and uniqueness in their individual family stories, and to recognize that there is value in exploring one's family's heritage, even if you may have previously thought that there wasn't one worth exploring. We learned how culture is sparked through milestones and life events like immigration, the circle of friends you choose, the death of a loved one, and a global pandemic. How stepping outside your culture helps you to be able to see it was there all along and the significance of traditions and heirlooms in the lives of those rich in culture. If season one provided a gift, it would be that discovering that everyone does have a story and that understanding one's story helps us better to understand who we are today and where we're going. We fully realize that six episodes doesn't begin to even scratch the surface. And for that reason, we promise to continue the theme of claiming your culture another time. For season two, we're excited to move on to honoring cultures, traditions, and family heritage. The beauty of honoring one's heritage came through very clearly in the story of our season one finale guest, Alex. His experience in reclaiming his Korean heritage came full circle, from rejection and assimilation to full immersion, name reclamation, and the proud promise to expose all current and future dinner guests to experience his beloved kimchi fridge. Because we love a good bookend in storytelling, we thought it would be nice to continue Alex's story in our season two premiere. From the last time we spoke with Alex, you may not have realized that he is a father and his young daughter has motivated him and his wife to make a conscious effort to share their cultural identities with her. Alex reflects on where he is in his journey and what type of experiences he's inviting in as a parent. Even before she was born, when my wife was pregnant, I think her coming to this world forced us to have a conversation with each other about what do we want our child to be you know like what what sort of values do we want to instill into her and how do we want her to grow up and i think there's a very conscious effort that we're making now to to make sure that she retains as much of our identity um, our cultural identity as possible and what sucks is that because i had rejected so much of my identity beforehand there's actually very little that i actually have to um, offer my daughter at the outset, right? It's forcing me to relearn quite a bit of stuff and to actually learn quite a bit about myself from scratch. Even just, even just things like cooking Korean food has been sort of like a really big uh, and important part of reclaiming um, my identity. I'd, I'd only ever eaten my mom's um, cooking and, you know, I'd always associated that with uh, Korean cooking, but uh, there were a lot of sort of like flavor profiles and nuances on why certain dishes exist and why we eat certain things and, you know, how you even cook. In Korean cuisine, there's something called sonmat, which literal translation is hand taste. It's not as gross as it sounds. What it what hand taste actually is, is the taste that's imparted through your experience and through sort of the love that you put into the food, right? And so my mother's sonmat or my grandmother's sonmat is how like their lived experience with cooking this food has resulted in a very specific flavor profile that, you know, like you just can't 
put in a recipe book. I'm trying to get to a point where I don't need to follow a recipe book. I can literally just throw shit into a bowl and it comes delicious food and it's never measured. And there's sort of this like point of pride that comes with being able to do that, being able to cook the right food and being able to create the right flavor profiles that my daughter can grow up with has been a very important sort of learning experience for myself, but it's something that, you know, I'm making a conscious effort to do because she's around. I mean, I, not to say that before she was born that I wasn't doing this, I, say I probably was, maybe not to the quite the extent that I am now. And I think sort of like the next step in that evolution isn't just to do Korean food, but also Chinese food, since my wife is Chinese, right? And so that she doesn't feel that, so that she doesn't grow up with like a really one-sided view of like what family food is, but grows up eating the, the, the full gamut of what her you know, um, I guess like Pan-Asian experience ultimately will be. Like she is a Korean Chinese, right? Like she is a, uh, uh, I mean, is, is it weird to call her a hybrid? Like she is a, you know, she has both of those elements to her uh, to her life. And you know what? Uh, she eats quite a bit of Chinese food whenever we visit, you know, my mother-in-law, we order takeout and she'll eat the noodles. She loves noodles and she loves dim sum and everything like that. I, I, I think if you watch us, if you were to watch how we behave, you can, you'll, you would see a lot of sort of those really specific efforts being made. My wife, you know, is making a very uh, big effort to teach her Cantonese or and Cantonese words and making sure that she, uh, and that, you know, it's funny, like she and I had arguments the other day saying like, okay, why are you teaching our child Cantonese? Cantonese is effectively a dying language, right? Like it is a very specific dialect to Southern China and Hong Kong and like no one else in China speaks it. If we're going to teach her a language, let's teach her Mandarin and let's let's force ourselves to learn Mandarin because that would actually help her in life. But, you know, now in hindsight, like I look at that and be like, okay, I, I, I see that my wife is doing this not necessarily as a point of like, Giving her, a, giving our daughter a tool to succeed in the future, but as a, as a way to stay in touch with who she is. It's incredible to hear how Alex is honoring his Korean culture, which he reclaimed as an adult, whilst also respecting the unique cultural aspects of his wife's Chinese culture. And while the idea of learning Mandarin makes sense on paper and intellectually, we love that they have decided that Cantonese is their language of choice for more sentimental and traditional reasons. Their approach is further evidenced by Alex's reflection on hand taste in Korean cooking. The idea of cooking techniques that are individualized and personalized is a theme that we hear from our community that extends beyond Korean culture. It's super prevalent despite your cultural influences and underscores the intersection of love and food and tradition in cooking that is not easily replicated without some effort and practice. Actor and writer Stanley Tucci speaks of family recipes as the ultimate family heirloom, saying, and I quote, like a physical heirloom, they remind us from whom and where we came from. And in one bite, the story of another people from another place from another time. But unlike a physical heirloom, recipes are part of our history that can be recreated over and over and over again, end of quote. Speaking of heirlooms, when I asked Alex about an heirloom he may have to pass on to his daughter, Alex answered that there weren't many that have come from older generations, a common observation from immigrant families because often they came to North America with so little. Instead, Alex shared two traditions that he exposed his daughter to with his full heart and full intention. We are trying to form new traditions and we're trying to form new rituals that you know are born from who we are. So, you know, we tried to do 
dim sum as regularly as possible. And not simply because like it's like a restaurant outing, but it is a Southern Chinese and Hong Kong ritual that families do, grandparents do, and they, they sit and drink tea and they'll sit at three hours and family will come in and out. And it's, it's like a big part of who they are. And so we try to do that and we want to do that. And we want that to be something she grows up and enjoying and remembering very fondly of these memories with her family and something she sort of takes into her future life. Other traditions that we did is there's something called a Torjabi, which is a Korean tradition where at their one year, the child's one year birthday, you set out a variety of items and uh, you get them to pick um, one or two of them. I think it, it depends on uh, who does it. Um, but that item ultimately is a prediction of what your child's profession or passion might be. Right. And so you'll set out stuff like a stethoscope and a gavel calculator. Much to our delight, she picked uh, a stethoscope and a gavel. So she is going to be the first JDMD in our family. <laughs> Um, it's doing things like that. I spent the time to research how is it done traditionally? What is the contemporary version? And what is the version that we want to do? But it's like, it's a little thing. It's like traditions like this where we're trying to like do them, even though we know very little about it and just try to sort of own it as our own. I think in replacement of a physical item that she can hold on to, these are the things that we're trying to do. We ended with asking Alex a question from our newly launched conversation tool web app and asked him, what is something you learned growing up that you wish the next generation continues doing? I think a lot of the things that I find myself teaching um, my daughter uh, aren't like there's language, there's food, but I think I uh, was taught to live and this sort of like this underlying sort of set of values, right? That my parents taught me that growing up, I didn't necessarily understand what those values were, what they meant, and sort of what I was even being taught. But I think for a lot of Korean families, like if we get very specific, a lot of Korean families, I think, grow up um, with a household that's governed by sort of a pretty broad set of Confucian um, uh, values and um, beliefs and understanding. Things like filial piety are such an important, is such an important part of the family dynamic, but you respect your elders and you treat your elders with a, a very specific level of reverence, right? Things like you wait for the eldest at the table to take their first bite before you even think about eating your food. I find myself trying to impart a lot of these things uh, or wanting to, at least, I, I mean, I can't necessarily teach an 18 month old to not eat until I've eaten right now. It's very much like get the table on the food as quickly as possible before she freaks out. Like that's, that's not, that's not the game plan right now, but like, these are things that I've sort of like, uh, I guess like cataloged into the back of my head as to do's. Understanding one's heritage can really increase self-awareness and self-confidence. Knowing your history and what makes you who you are in an honest and authentic way brings forth so much clarity. Alex definitely has embraced who he is and his confidence shines through. His daughter is one lucky girl to have a dad like him who not only recognizes his roots, but genuinely honors them too. This season, we'll be exploring more stories from some amazing people who are honoring their roots in many different ways. Some are using it as their creative outlet, some have made careers out of it, and others are exploring ways of honoring their culture past the obvious. 
Next episode, we meet two busy working parents who have realized the value in their extended family and extended experiences in bringing culture to themselves and to their children. And most importantly, that in our super busy lives, that some culture is better than none. If you feel inspired to explore your own family story, visit rootnc.com to access our conversation tool web app that will help you ask the questions you've always wanted to know, capture precious stories, and share with loved ones near and far. Root and Seed is hosted by me, Anika Chabra, executive produced by Jen Sarah Pong Mandel, and edited by Kimi Blake.